The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Got to talk some USC Trojan football. Lots going on in the world of college football and the Pac-12. We're going to get into all of that with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website HarveyHyde.com. You got emails for the show. You got any questions for us? Podcast at USCFootball.com or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. 424 254-9141. Send them in. Let us know what your what is on your mind. But we'd really appreciate it if you have an Apple product, uh, Apple Podcasting app. Uh, that's a great place for podcasts. If you don't download it there already, please subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast and leave us a positive review. Five-star ratings are awesome. And if you have a question for the show, you can put it up there as well. We really do appreciate that. It certainly helps us to grow the show and we're going to try to grow the show even though the football season is in serious jeopardy we're going to talk about all of that and lots of breaking news has been going on even this morning monday morning with the coach harvey hyde coach how are you today i'm doing great buddy i'll tell you a lot of the things we've been discussing uh, on our podcast for a long period of time uh, they're starting to, to come true as far as in a lot of the different areas and we'll see just how far the changes go and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this podcast with you. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, we did a Tunnel Vision show last night. If you missed that, um, you can check it out. We had some of this information that came out, but there's a lot of stuff uh, that we have to discuss because there's been newsy things kind of happening. Uh, there's been some, you know, like I said, there's some news this morning. We'll go over all that. So there'll be a lot of talk about the season, what it could look like, what has changed as far as the season goes. But first, before we do that, um, phase three for USC's plan to return back to campus starts today, Monday, July 13th. So this was the phased plan that USC had come out with. Phase one was going to be the commuter students. Anyone that was close by campus could come to campus and work out. Phase two, which was supposed to start last Monday, a week ago, actually started last Wednesday. So it's a much shorter phase. That was the ability to bring students back onto campus and actually stay on campus. So it wasn't just the local students. It was any returning student athletes were allowed to return to campus and start those workouts. And then phase three, starting today, now that's first going to include any incoming freshmen. Any new players can come in and join the team 
during phase three, which I said starting today. The only difference between what they initially released as far as phase three goes and today is the delay of the summer organized activities. So uh, because the season was delayed, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. They are allowed to have mandatory workouts. So these are more, you know, it's not just the voluntary ones, mandatory workouts, film sessions, any sort of walkthrough activities with the team you're allowed to do now. So this is a big step, but nothing physical. And today is really kind of that magical day, the six weeks or so before the season started. This is when everyone was kind of looking. You start that phase where we're doing team activities and bringing everyone together. So phase three starting today, we'll see how that goes. And if it goes well and things are you know progressing in the right direction, even though cases are up around the country, if this phase three for USC and the other college football programs go well, then I think we have a much better chance of having some semblance, some semblance of a college football season. So coach, I just wanted to get your thoughts uh, starting this phase. If you think USC is ready for it or if college football is ready for it, if it makes sense to you, get you know, taking those next, next steps towards uh, August 7th, which would be the first day of fall camp. Well, uh, Ryan, I'm going to take advantage if I'm a head football coach of every single opportunity I have to get my team prepared for its opening game of the year. And if uh, phase three is here today, I'm going to utilize everything I can do in phase three. I have that responsibility uh, to have the team ready, the staff ready, and everybody ready to play a game. Now, what I have to find out, too, and exactly have a program and itinerary together to know when my first game will be. So I think it would be very important that if the Pac-12 is not going to play any out-of-conference games, that they start to reschedule and put that schedule together so that we know when our first game is. Now, currently right now, USC's first game is September the 19th. So I certainly don't want to start practice on, you know, too early and fall camp on August the 7th and all this and that and all the different things that you just threw out there as far as dates. So I think the Pac-12 has to get together, the administrators have to get together and say, what are we going to do about the schedule? Since none of us are playing any non-league games, then we got to run it to the computer again and uh, put a schedule together knowing what dates and when are we going to play and opening day and are we going to pick up uh, more games so that we have maybe 11 games rather than nine games and play the two teams that we normally don't play so we can have a full schedule of college football along with the television revenue and everything else. So I think it's the responsibility of the administration to get that done as soon as possible. Now, it's my responsibility as the head football coach and my football staff and the football players to get ready for a football game because we don't know when it's going to be, but we're going to do everything we can do to, to use the time we have that they've allowed us now to get ready for a football game, no matter when that football game is. So I would think that as the head football coach, Coach Clay Helton and staff and players, we're going to uh, follow the guidelines of what's necessary and get ourselves ready so we know when, if they do give us a schedule, and I hope they do shortly, of when our season will be. Yeah. Um, the, so the well, that's the second part of what we were going to uh, talk about. Uh, a few days ago, we found out, well, first, the big news was the Big Ten announced conference-only games. So that certainly affected the Pac-12, where a couple of high-profile games, Michigan and uh 
and and uh, I'm sorry, Michigan and Washington, and Oregon and Ohio State. So those games are now off the table. Two of the most highly anticipated games of the season uh, are gone. And then uh, you know, within 48 hours, the Pac-12 announced the same conference games only. So we will know the Pac-12 schedule by the end of the month. Is what uh, the Pac-12 release said. That affects a couple more high-profile games for USC specifically. USC Notre Dame and USC Alabama, the uh, season opener. So we don't know. Right now, the Pac-12 has is a nine-game conference schedule. Do they add one and everyone gets 10? Um, I've talked about the possibility because Notre Dame plays Stanford and USC. It's sort of like a 10th conference game because they play every year for those programs. Is there a way to incorporate Notre Dame uh, in there? and have So USC would get 10 games. Stanford would get 10 games and then the rest of the Pac-12 would add one more conference game. Hard to say. I, I haven't you know, heard a lot of talk about that, but I guess that's a possibility. Um, but we should know a lot more by the end of the month, Coach. But what were your overall thoughts on the, the Pac-12 moving to conference games only? Well, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what it does uh, as far as uh, Notre Dame was coming to. Well, if you look at the Pac-12, uh, you're trying to get national recognition, and uh, I think that you know you want to play those type of games. But if the Big Ten is not going to play those type of games, you're not going to play anybody in the Big Ten. Notre Dame's having a difficult, difficult time because Clemson, and then you got Wisconsin, you got USC. Uh, people are dropping them, so I think they'll get a lot of pressure from the ACC as far as uh, trying to get them to join the ACC. But they carry them in every other sport. Now, if I was the ACC right now, I'd say. Yeah, we'll give you some games, but in four years or three years, we want you to have a full schedule of ACC games. And I'd probably move Maryland back to the Big Ten, I think, or back to the ACC, too. And and if I was the Big Ten, I'd go after Notre Dame. So I'm getting off topic, but I'm just throwing you as far as the big picture and what it's all about. This is the time, like I said in all the shows recently, for a lot of changes going on, like spring practice, joining conferences, moving things around, and so on going back to maybe playing a lot of more conference games and keeping your traditional games like the Notre Dame game and the possibly the Alabama game still intact. In but, you know, they have to make these decisions, and I think that it's something that they're paid to do, and they got to do it in the best interest of the university and the conference. But if the conference is going to uh, put a schedule together and they're not going to play those teams, I don't think they'll play Notre Dame. I don't think they can make exceptions. Uh, I would like to see them do that, but I don't think they can. I, I would like to see them, you know, play another conference game or two or whatever they have to do. So the kids, if you're going to play and you're going to have a senior year, that you get a full schedule. But the number one thing that I'm concerned with, Ryan, is don't start something and then have to cancel it. And that's what I've been saying all along. Be sure before you play that you've got uh, this virus intact. Because the worst thing that can hurt college football is you start a season and then you have to cancel it. Because I've been, you know, advocating all along decision, 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 which was our last week's topic. They've got to be a decision. And there's got to be a decision now is there going to be fall football or spring football. And I think that's something that has to be done as soon as possible. So that's basically how I feel about, you know, conferences, you know, some conferences aren't even going to play in the fall. They've already made those announcements. Some conferences uh, within the conference, some of the schools within the conference have said they're not going to play. 
so that uh, there's one conference. I think the SCIC, a small Division three conference, where there's only four games. Now, with four games, would you really need a football season? Or would you use your senior year on four games or whatever? So there's a lot of decisions that have to be made and a lot of exceptions that have to be made. A lot of exceptions along the way as far as some of the rules that were won't be for this year. Yeah, we uh, I mean, there's obviously so many more questions out there about how this is going to work. Eligibility. There's there's a million questions. And the, the part of going to a conference only schedule to me is more about flexibility, coach. We don't have a leader in college football. We don't have a college football czar who is going to be that leader. Well, you have leadership at the conference level. So I feel like that's what the Big Ten is doing. You're kind of pulling things back a little bit, taking a little bit more control. Um, you could argue the Pac-12, do you really want Larry Scott to be in control of things? And unfortunately, Larry Scott tested positive for COVID-19. So he's recovering from that, working from home, uh, you know, still trying to run things day to day. But, you know, despite that, the Pac-12 has gone to this conference-only model, but at least gets things under control. And that's why I agree with you. I don't think the USC Notre Dame and, and Stanford Notre Dame will happen just because it's hard to make exceptions. And that's just one more thing out of your control. It's sort of like if you have a big household coach, if you have like five kids and you're, you know, they, there's like seven of you in your house, you can control that environment as far as, as, as you, you try to control it as much as you can. Um, and you know what's going on there. But if one of your kid's friends wants to come over, that's like introducing a whole nother household to your household. And I feel like that's what would happen if USC and Notre Dame and Stanford and Notre Dame end up playing. Um, you don't have full control over the entire Pac-12, but adding Notre Dame in, who would also be playing in the ACC and maybe some other schools, now you're bringing in that kind of foreign element into your little quarantine bubble, I guess you could say. So I, I feel like I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to happen, but you know, logistically, it seems like it could work out just because it, they almost act like a 10th Pac-12 team for two of the programs uh, in the conference. But with so many more questions, we just don't know uh, at this point what's going to happen. It probably makes more sense for Notre Dame to go with the uh, ACC and just kind of play there. And will there be more of a shakeup like you hinted at, Coach? I, I don't know. It seems like this is the time to do it. College football has not; it's not a flexible sport. Like you're you're making your schedule years in advance. This year, coach, you got to be flexible. There there could be changing stuff week to week. I mean, you might be scheduling games on a you know, of phone calls for next weekend. Like who knows what's going to happen with uh, you know when if if we get a season at all. Well, you know, one thing about when you stay within the conference. You've got more flexibility. Like, for example, and I did this a couple of times when I was a head football coach, on a short trip, an hour flight, hour and a half flight, we flew in the day of the game. We didn't have to stay in a hotel. We didn't have to do any of that stuff. We stayed at home. We got up a couple hours earlier. It normally takes an hour to get to the, uh, to, you know, the hotel or to the stadium anyway. We would just get up, fly, especially if it was a night game. We'd fly in and, or fly in in the afternoon or whatever and uh, have our pregame meal and go play the football game and fly home. So not only does that save a lot of money, but it also saves other things that uh, the virus and having to stay in strange places and all of the above. So, you know, I, I would say Colorado, 
it's probably the farthest that you'd have to fly for a football game, and maybe Colorado is one that you'd have to spend the night. But there's a lot of a, a lot of things you can consider as far as when you go to conference play, like in the Big, Big Ten, how close everybody is. In the Southeastern Conference, how close everybody is. In the ACC, how close everybody is. Well, you know, this overnight stuff, and you might not have to do. You can bus in on some of these. Uh, 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 bus in, turn around, and bus home after the game. I mean, so there's a lot of things that have to be considered. And I don't know, I'm sure they're considering all these things, but when I sit around and I think of all these things, of what I've done and what we could do as far as to make it a lot easier for our football program. If I was coaching, these would be things I'd be considering or these would be things we'd be talking coach to coach about and all of the above. So uh, I think these are the things that have to be discussed and uh, possibly uh, they can all be worked out. One of the other points you brought up, Coach, was if they start the season, don't stop it. Uh, maybe go into a little bit reason why you feel it'd be better to just cancel the season altogether as opposed to starting it and having to stop it and cancel it in the middle. Well, I think it just uh, destroys everything. It takes away the the whole feeling of college football. You get something going, and then it'll still be like it is now. One more game, maybe there'll be one more game. There won't be another game. There's too many question marks in the football season that are we going to play or aren't we going to play? How do you prepare for the games? Uh, are they going to forfeit games or stop games uh, uh, before the game, which uh, you find out on Friday that you can't play or you don't have enough players? I think you've got to look at the whole picture, and I think it's it's not going to be rewarding for the players or financially or television packages. All of a sudden you have a game that's supposed to be on television and you have all these programs as far as broadcast teams and cameras and everywhere somewhere, and all of a sudden they cancel the game. Or cancel the season. Well, if you give yourself a little bit more time in the spring, you hope there might be a vaccine there. Then you'll be able to uh, schedule things better. You start off in February deciding how many games you're going to play. You end up with your season in uh, March or April before school. April before school gets out. You've got maybe even students in the stadium now. You've got more people involved and play. They feel more safe. Uh, so, you know, I just think there's a lot of reasons they have two football seasons in 21. You don't have spring practice, but you continue with recruiting. You do everything, and you just make an exception for a year. You've got to adapt or die. That's why, you know, they, when you prepare for a game, too, if they don't run the same defense, you don't quit. So what you got to do is make a change for this year so that it fits everybody. No one has an advantage. Just everybody, this is what we're going to do. And the television – Networks would be happier, too, but they could plan and, and everything else. And you could know when to start practice and get a lot more things done. So, you know, I've been saying all along, why try to squeeze this all in and then have to stop it or have to cancel it? Well, let's see how things go. And within the end of the month or whatever, if they can't get it done, then let's uh, get it together and have spring football. Put a schedule together and, hell, you still might be able to play Alabama and, Notre Dame. So that's just my thought, the overall picture of what's best for college football. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Coach. A um, couple of other factors that could have an impact on USC season. It's sort of like uh, you know, you're in a mine and you get they have those canaries, you know, in the, in the mine, and you're if the canary dies, you know, that's like a you know a factor of like oh, we better get out of here. Uh, sort of like an early warning system. 
couple of the other, there's been a lot of, you know, early warning stuff that's going on. We talked last week about USC pulling back on having students on campus for uh, most of the classes this fall. That was a, that was a bad sign where before they, they, the plan was to have students on campus for most of the classes. They backed off of that. LA Unified, which is the second largest school system in the country. They're supposed to start, I believe it's August 18th. The school year is still going to start, but it's going to be online classes until further notice. So that's not a good sign for, uh, you know, high school football for sure, which I thought was, I, I just think it's almost, it, it's pretty much impossible to start high school football. Uh, but also the Patriot League, which is an FCS conference. They're the first conference to postpone the season altogether. So they're not going to be participating in sports this fall. So that's something that can creep up because, you know, the FCS schools, they play, uh, you know, power five schools. So, or, you know, and group of five schools, they play FBS schools. Um, so there's going to be some kind of leaking there. So we're seeing it from the top, the big 10 pac 12, we're seeing it coming up from the bottom. So I don't know any thoughts on that coach. Some of these uh, other factors that could impact USC and the entire college football season. Right, and Ryan, we've talked about this probably before anybody else talked about it. We talked about this last week, I know, and the week before that. It's not the students not wanting to be on campus. It's the faculty that maybe don't want the students on campus. It's the faculty that don't want to put themselves or send themselves to college students in a classroom. And the same thing on the high school level. The community colleges have done the same thing. The community colleges, which are there's 110 community colleges in the state of the, of California have uh, canceled all their uh, fall sports, and they're going to have spring football. Now, the National Junior College Football or Association, uh, they have also canceled all of their games and will have a spring football. So, uh, you know, uh, I think that it, it, it's not as big money down there, but there's a lot of common sense down there of how to do it. And I think the faculty is the ones that are, somewhat putting pressure too on the administration as far as saying, Hey, you come in the classroom and, and, and sit there with people next to each other. How are you going to do this? How are you going to have, you're going to cut your class size down. You're going to give the faculty twice the load so that they teach two classes instead of one. I mean, how are you going to do all of this? So they're going to do it online. And, um, and I think people should come out and, and tell the truth of what really the problems really are and why these online courses are going on. And uh, I think, it, but it's okay for the football players to come on campus and practice football with the football coaches who are basically teachers and instructors because of the financial rewards too, which I understand 100%, don't get me wrong, and uh, go from there. I just think you've got to be, what do you call it, call it consistent, yeah. And what your decisions are, uh, if it's good for one, it's good for all, or it's not good for any. Yeah. All right. Well, let's shift gears. We got some more questions about, um, we've got some questions about the season, but there was a couple other topics I wanted to discuss with you, coach. And one of them is breaking news as of uh, Monday morning. So JT Daniels, if you remember him, of course, uh, started the season. He started, you know, as a freshman in 2018 began the 2019 season with a uh, a lot of hope a lot of uh people were excited for JT Daniels coming back for his second uh season and uh running this new offense with Graham Harrell first half of the first game against Fresno State blows out his knee has surgery he's out for the season 
Um, thought he could come back and do some stuff in the spring. He eventually entered the NCAA transfer portal and declared he was going to Georgia. Typically, you have to sit out a year uh, in a situation like that. He tweeted out this morning, JT Daniels himself tweeted out that he was granted a waiver. He's going to be immediately eligible to play at Georgia. So uh, he could play if there's a 2020 season. He could play. Now, he's still bouncing back from the knee injury, so we don't know health-wise where he's at. He's also going to be competing with another transfer, uh, Jamie Newman. So he was at Wake Forest. Um, and so, yeah, so he and yeah, so he was a starting quarterback at Wake Forest. Transfers uh, to Georgia for his final year of eligibility. So he's a graduate transfer. He was going to be able to play right away. Most people thought Daniels was not going to be able to play right away. But it turns out now he can. So that makes that quarterback battle uh, a lot more interesting. And I, you know, I've said a million times, if if JT would have been healthy, I think he would have had a great year, just like Keaton Slovis. Um, Slovis kind of came out of nowhere and was super impressive. But now it's hard to to overtake him that he's he's done so well. You know, four four hundred yard games. You know, f- four wide receivers going over a hundred yards in one game. Like we've never seen stuff like that before. So. With Daniels going there, he's going to now have, instead of three years to play two, which was going to be sit out that first year and then play the last two years, now he's going to have all three years of eligibility remaining. So he played his freshman year, redshirted his uh, sophomore year. He'll have a redshirt sophomore season, redshirt junior season, and redshirt senior season. He could be starting at at Georgia for three years. Uh, You're talking about a playoff contending type of roster there at Georgia. Um, what are your overall thoughts, Coach, on uh, JT heading to Georgia and being able to play right away? Who are you talking about? JT Daniels. J- JT Daniels? Who is he? <laughs> when you leave my program, I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. You're playing for my opponent, okay? You might be trying to beat me in a playoff game. So... uh you know, that's that's good news, and I want to wish the kid the best, and I'm glad he got the year and so on. But he's gone. He's history. He's not going to help me beat Alabama. He's not going to help me beat Oregon. So I'm concerned more with the guys that are part of the huddle and in the foxhole with me, okay? Good kid. But when the, when the oven got hot, he didn't want to get in there and then compete. Now he's going to have to compete down there. And I'll tell you, J.T. Daniels' name down there isn't the same thing as J.T. Daniels' name here in California. So he's going to have to go down there and compete too. And if he is the number one guy, congratulations to him. But as far as him deciding to go halfway across the world and play down in the Southeastern Conference, that's great. But I'm more concerned about my guys that are in my huddle and on my practice field. Yeah. Well, like you said, we wish him the best. Uh, Kind of follow along. Former five-star recruit, so usually fans kind of attach themselves to guys like that. You know, started as a true freshman, so it's some rare stuff there. So we'll see what JT Daniels is able to do if there's a season, uh, if he beats out Newman and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one last thing, uh, Dennis Dodd, uh, great columnist for CBS Sports, covers college football. Um, he wrote a column this morning, Coach. I don't know if you caught it, but basically it was about COVID-19, the coronavirus, buying coaches more time because of the budget crises that we're going to see in athletic departments. He's saying it's going to be a mulligan year for coaches that are on the hot seat. And, you know, Clay Helton has been on the hot seat for the last couple of years. 
would 2020 now be a mulligan year, especially not playing two of your toughest opponents? And one of the quotes from it was, how do you fire a coach with both the number of games and athletic department budgets dwindling right now? Well, I tell you what, uh, you've got to make decisions that are best in the best interest of your university. And if you see the program getting better, then you don't have to fire a coach. But if you don't see any improvement in a program, when you evaluate the program off the field as well as on the field and everything else, then you might have to make a move. And you might have to tell every coach who's in college football you're taking a 50% pay cut in your contract because that's what might be necessary to keep us in business. So, you know, uh, you've got to do certain things to survive. You might have to cut the water supply down or whatever, but you got to stay alive. So uh, as an administrator or as a, as a head football coach, uh, whether it's dealing with uh, assistant coaches, whatever, I've got to be able to do what's best for my university and evaluate it uh, no matter what type of season it is, whether it's a short season or a long season or whether I play Notre Dame or I don't play Notre Dame, how do I play everybody else? If I don't have to play those two teams, then I, I should probably go undefeated if I'm USC. And I better do that pretty soon because Oregon's making a tough run. And I better be able to play them pretty good up there, too. And that's what a lot of my evaluation would be as far as an administrator is how do I play the rest of the teams in my conference since we're not playing those other teams. So it's not a mulligan year. It's a year that you better perform and I better see some advancement and and our football program getting better or we're going to make a change. Because unless it gets better, we're never going to get back to where we're supposed to be as far as the Trojan or our athletic department. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come right back and uh, answer some listener questions. Back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach, why don't we go to a voicemail first? Here we go. Hey, Peristyle, Curtis from Moreno Valley. I really wanted to play Alabama. The last time we got blew out at Jerry World, we ended the season ranked fourth with Clay Helton as coach. To be the best, you have to play the best. But now we have a Pac-12-only schedule. There's no excuses. Go undefeated. Like the coach said anyway. 
Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, it's always good to hear from you. It is. I, I really look forward to your questions. I would be disappointed if we didn't get a question every week from you. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of feel the same way. Uh, you got to play the best uh, to beat the best. And and if you can't beat them, you got to say, well, how far do we need to go to be that good? And uh, I think that's a good uh, aiming point as far as evaluating your football program is when you play the best. And can you play with the best or can't you play with the best? And there's a reason why you can't. And you got to find out what that reason is. But I don't think it's real smart to tweet out social media and do things to say, oh, I wish we really were going to play Alabama. Because you might still play Alabama somewhere in a bowl game or whatever. I think you've got to learn to control your emotion and get ready for who you have to play. And and uh, I think it's really important that uh, you look forward to these type of games as far as uh, seeing exactly where your program is and uh, where it needs to go. And if you're playing with Alabama, then great, you're made great strides. If you're not playing with Alabama, then you better get it going because this is the type of football program that USC is. But I don't think you need to get bulletin board material to a great team such as the tradition is Alabama. And uh, who knows, you might be playing them again. So I think it's real, um, you got to be real careful as far as what's going out on social media, as far as representing not only yourself, but also the football program, the university of how you display your thoughts on certain teams and certain games. And, and uh, I'll tell you, Alabama is a great program, but USC is a great program, too. I have not dropped my standards of what USC should be. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame they couldn't play them, Curtis. But who knows? They still might play them, either in the spring or maybe in a playoff game in the Rose Bowl this year. Yeah, I love So, Curtis is our resident um, optimist, you could say. But I love what Curtis is bringing to the table there. There are no excuses for USC to go undefeated. USC should go undefeated now, only playing conference games. They're going to have the most talented roster, even over Oregon, in the Pac-12. The toughest games are now gone from the schedule. Notre Dame and Alabama. You can't lose two games from in the conference this year. There's no way. I mean, you could potentially lose to Oregon in Eugene, and then if you play a championship game, beat them in the championship game. But uh, there are no excuses. So I love that Curtis goes from Hey, I'm the I'm the optimist. I'm the guy thinking, hey, we can beat Alabama. To now going, no Alabama should be undefeated, and I, I agree with him. Well, yeah, we talk about this all the time. You know, when you're USC, you should be able to play anybody in the country. And I think that um, everybody loves to play USC, but you have an opportunity of beating USC. You know, everybody doesn't expect you. They in in the past. Nobody expected to beat SC, and they were always an underdog. So if they played them well, they thought they were having a pretty good season, and they had something to recruit to. So now USC is getting that point that uh, there's no excuses. you got to go out and you play these teams one at a time, and you go up to Oregon. It doesn't make any difference if there's nobody in the stands anyway. What if there's nobody in the stands? What's the difference where you play it? You can play it on the moon. You can play it at a high school stadium. Who cares? It's the same size of the field no matter where you go. It's what you do on the field. It's not what the people yell and talk about. It's what you do on that little field that could be anywhere. So whether it's in Eugene or whatever, you got to go up and take care of your job and your business. So, yeah, I think they should be able to have a great season, but they got to produce. they got to be lucky, too. Would you hear me say this every week? you got to protect your quarterback. And uh, 
And uh, that's one thing that I've been concerned with all the time when I talk about a lack of running game. So we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, I agree with you, Curtis. Uh, let's get after it. Yeah, got to get after it. I love it, Curtis. Uh, let's see. We have Mark wrote an email in. Lemons to lemonade. Okay, no Alabama. So here is an idea. USC plays Oregon State in Las Vegas at the new stadium to open the season for Mark. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I think it'd be a great idea. I know Las Vegas would think it'd be a great idea. Uh, because UNLV was going to open with Cal, and Cal dropped UNLV, so UNLV's trying to pick up a game. I was talking to some people today. I would go after BYU right now because BYU got dropped, and that'd be a great game in Vegas too, UNLV and BYU. But, uh, yeah, why not? Uh, Vegas has always wanted to have a preseason bowl game, and they're a great, a great city for special events. And I think a lot of people in the new stadium would travel there to see that game. I really do. Who is that that suggested this? My man, you're, you're, you're right on top of it, huh? Mark, Mark suggested it, yeah. Mark, I think that's one. Uh, you're a step ahead of everybody. I like that idea. Um, yeah, I mean – See, the thing is, would you rather play, um, you know, a different opponent? Well, it has to be a conference game, right? I mean, it has to be a conference game. So the only right. games that are available would be Oregon State and Washington State because those are the two teams that USC misses. Uh, Washington State was supposed to open the season uh, at Utah State, uh, so that's not happening anymore. So they would be available as well. So a team like Washington State might be a little more fun to play because they have a new coach. Uh, that could be really interesting um, as opposed to Oregon State. But those are your really your only two choices. Does the Pac-12 go to all 11 games? Uh, are they going to delay it so you wouldn't be starting uh, in early September and it starts a little bit later? But the issue I have, Coach, is when you're trying to control the environment so you're only going to do conference games, Part of that control is always playing in a Pac-12 venue. If you go to a neutral site, which would be awesome, like playing in Vegas is great under normal circumstances. Um, I don't know if you want two teams traveling to a game as opposed to one team. I, I don't know what you think about that. Well, you know, um, uh, you know, you can plan things, but you know, I, of course, that's a special event. I don't know. Again, that's an exception. Okay. It's an exception you're going to have to ask the Pac-12 to do, to have a game at a neutral site. And that's something that probably you wouldn't get approved. But it was a heck of an idea as far as for Mark to come up with it. Uh, USC could fly in and play the game and fly back the same day. Uh, Oregon State could even do that too. So it's not that transportation's a big deal as far as staying in hotels. But as far as people, people could remain there. And enjoy the the weekend. Uh, see, uh, UNLV opens up August the 29th, and uh, they could play on uh, September the 5th or whatever, September the 3rd, September the 5th, if they if they could work it out. But but uh, it'd be a great experience in the brand new stadium and so on. I think it'd be a very attractive game, and Las Vegas would accept it. But I don't believe it ever happened. But it's got to be an exception. Yeah, we got one last question for you, Coach. I'll let you go, Frank in Sacramento. No football this year, but there are stories. He says, other than the NFL, 
There's going to be no football this year, no high school and no college. This is going to ruin the plans for the senior kids hoping to star on his high school team this year and get recruited. There are plenty of stories here and nobody is reporting them. Look for uh, fanatic football families to arrange for their kids to flunk high school and repeat their senior year. Others will head to those wacky prep schools next year to create some 2021 game film. We already had uh, Titus Tucker move from California to Alabama to play this fall. That's just the beginning of the craziness to come. Let's hear more about it. Frank in Sacramento. Well, Frank, uh, before you need to do all that, they got to make a decision. And I think the state of California is making a decision July 31st on whether they, whether they will have football or spring football okay so uh, i think the high schools will have football but it'll be a spring football type of situation too so we'll have to see what's going on in a lot of these other states too there's still a lot of questions going on whether they will have football so before you pack your bags uh, some of these parents and fly off somewhere you better wait to see if they're going to have texas football if they're going to have florida football so uh, I think that's something you have to be careful of. But I think there'll be a senior year of football. But I think it'll all be in the spring. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I think I think there's going to be something like that. High school football right now, just it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But the budgets for college, like I I know I've been kind of pessimistic about it. The budgets are all important. Uh, I think it was Iowa State came out and said there would be like a forty million dollar shortfall if if uh, they weren't able to play football. Football, if without football, the entire athletic department goes away. So if there's any way possible to play, they're going to figure out a way to play in college. I don't think you can do it in high school, and maybe it's delayed, like Coach said. But um, we just don't know. To make declarations like this is definitely going to happen, this is not going to happen, I just don't think any of us know right now. Um, so we'll see. But, Coach, appreciate you coming on and uh, some some really good insights. I you know wish we had some some better news, but, you know, phase three starting – um, maybe the results are good and they, they feel like they're good, comfortable enough to, to have a season and have a conference only season. And we get something, we get some college football, if it's not exactly what we thought, I'm still hopeful for that, but I don't, I don't know at this point, coach. I'll tell you, nobody loves college football as much as we do. And you do out there. And I want you to know, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. We're either going to have it in the fall. We hope it isn't canceled. Or we're going to have it in the spring. Okay. As Ryan just said, they've got to have college football. They've got to have the revenue to keep the athletic departments alive. So you've got to adapt to whatever works for this year. This will be a unique year. But you've got to work around these things and make things happen. Yeah. So the best thing to do is to be positive And whatever the decisions are. You go along with it. We don't complain about it. They just organize it and get it done. So, Ryan, again, I enjoyed being with you. And, again, I want to thank all of our listeners out there for being a part of the show and also sending in your questions. Yeah. Thanks so much coach. And thanks to everyone out there for listening to the Peristyle podcast. We'll have more shows this uh, week. So stay tuned. See if there's more news. News seems to be breaking every day about what's going on in the world of college football. So that's coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.